Welcome to another edition of the Her Little Sons Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me ND Tex. And as always, you can find us live over at twitch.tv slash Her Little Sons. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you happen to get your podcasts at. Come join us in Discord. That is our live chat channel, herlittlesons.com slash Discord. And of course, you can always find us at our home over on these internets, herlittlesons.com. And with that said, uh, I am flying solo tonight. Uh, Shane had some uh, family stuff to take care of. Uh, I definitely sympathize. Things are a little crazy on my front as well. Uh, Not necessarily with the family things, but we uh, had a delayed start, uh, mostly due to some weather in the area. Uh, So hopefully there is nobody uh, in the Dallas proper area actually listening to me right now uh, that you are actually getting safe because there's legit. It's it's the most crazy thing that I've seen um, living in Texas this long uh, because folks Football is definitely king uh, around here. You know, me wearing my Cowboys jersey as the Cowboys are playing a Sunday night football right now. But I never thought I would see the day in which a college football broadcast would 100% take priority over a tornado on the actual ground in the same Metroplex area that the team plays in, which is what's happened. Uh, only in commercial breaks are, is the cut in happening because, uh, I guess now with the technology, everybody considers, uh, that everybody's got some kind of second screen, uh, right now. And, um, and I actually have it open right in front of me. And I just got another notice that this uh, tornado warning is still active because they're not able to show it on TV right now. Uh, of course, there are other uh, radio uh, radio stations as well as uh, TV stations covering it. So it's not like it's the sole source, but uh, where a lot of eyes in the Metroplex definitely are, it's really weird uh, to see this right now. But I um, really hope uh, everybody is staying safe um, that is in the area. We had some crazy weather hit. I'm well north of everything, uh, north as well as west from where the crazy stuff's hitting. Uh, from about uh, like 8.30-ish to about like 9.15, we just had like little bits of hail, crazy rain, which is all you would have heard in the microphone. So I wanted to delay it to make sure the audio was fine and also make sure I didn't have to go grab my kids and my wife and, and go take shelter anytime soon. Uh, crazy times. Um, usually we get this stuff in the spring and in, in the fall or spring and the summer, uh, that area. Uh, but I guess a uh, fall is introducing itself with a bang to say the least, but we are not here to do weather talk. We are here to talk a little bit of college football. So we will definitely get right into that. Like I said, I'm going to be rolling by myself for the, the majority of the time. Uh, well, not the majority for the whole episode. Uh, Shane is not here, but we're going to go ahead and get right into it because there is a bunch of stuff that has happened around in the world of college football this week. And we are going to start off because uh, the best way to describe this Saturday, uh, it wasn't really a blood week, but um, it, the thing that stuck in my head was that scene in Monty Python in the Holy Grail where the uh, the Black Knight uh, was saying, it was, it's just a flesh wound. Uh, so that is, that's kind of what I'm saying this is. It's just a flesh wound Saturday uh, and the 
person that got their arm lopped off in this one is Wisconsin, who fell to the Illini 24-23. to And the Badgers started out exactly kind of like you expected in this one. Uh, they they ran they ran over Illinois in the first half. They they took a twenty to seven lead, and then they proceeded to completely blow it. Uh, three turnovers will do that to you, and the most costly was one that led to the game winning field goal at the end. This was the biggest upset of the season in terms of the Vegas line, which closed at thirty and a half in the Badgers' favor. The last time it happened, it was actually the same 30 and a half line. So anytime I see 30 and a half next to Notre Dame's name for any reason, I'm going to get really nervous. Uh, and this happened when Iowa State downed who was then at number three, Oklahoma. Um, this was back uh, a couple years ago in 2017. So it has happened before, but I uh, was not expecting this to happen. Uh, you know, kudos to Levy Smith and the Illini uh, for helping turn the Big Ten uh, upside down a little topsy-turvy there. We're going to stay in the Big Ten. We're going to talk about what was the featured game. And uh, Penn State defeats Michigan. They rise up to number six in the rankings now. Uh, 28 to 21 is the final. Michigan falls to number 19 before their primetime matchup with the Irish next week. And um, uh, Penn State, you need to learn how to close the freaking back door. Uh, unfortunately, when I got this line, it was at eight. And as you can do the math. Uh, that did not uh, quite work out for me, but at the beginning, it sure looked like it was going to 21 to nothing. Penn State jumps out and it, it just looks like an absolute laugher. It's what we had been saying on this podcast for some time, whether it's myself, whether it's Shane, whether it's Eddie and even Jack Crosby on our crazy. If anybody listened and got to it that far, I think that was somewhere in hour three where he was talking about Michigan being a mess. But it has been discussed, and Michigan is a mess. Now, they were able to fight back here. It wasn't like there was a, a whole lot of turnovers or anything. Penn State just kind of let it happen, for lack of a better term. And it was one of those things to where I kind of was halfway paying attention to it, and I, I keep looking up, and Michigan just keeps somehow getting closer and closer. Uh, but the game itself was never really in doubt. Penn State managed to keep their foot on the throttle just enough to maintain their lead. Uh, but not a great team because great teams cover, but a big win. It is at home. Uh, so Michigan shows there's a bit of fight into them, and uh, that's going to make things a little bit more interesting uh, next week. And, and like I said, it, at halftime, this was 21-7 to as Michigan got a, a touchdown to make it not look completely atrocious at the half. Harbaugh came out and said, we will come back, and lo and behold, they did, and they actually made it a little bit of a game. Uh, but they did end up failing uh, in the end in this one. The Penn State defense uh, managed to step up just enough to to keep it where it was. So that was the big highlight game. And now we're we're going to stay again trying to look at uh, where where the Big Ten is in general. Uh, because now with the craziness that's happened here, Minnesota has risen up to number 17 in the rankings. They are now 7-0. and and uh, forty-two to seven is your final against uh, a you know hapless Rutgers team. Uh, n- no big surprise there, but the bigger surprise is that uh, Minnesota has not only managed to maintain it, but if you go and look at the start of their season, where they built a non-conference schedule, which is a non-conference schedule of insanity. They schedule good, not not just an FCS team, but actual good with a pulse, strong FCS teams. They schedule Fresno State. On the road, they nearly lost both of those games. <laughs> yep, they managed to survive. And again, it's when in advance, all of a sudden, 
P.J. Fleck is, if they maintain, and now there's going to be a collision course here coming up, but if they are able to maintain somehow, they will find themselves in a Big Ten title game. So chaos is always here. Uh, chaos is always approaching. And I just saw in the, the chat lows, uh, Sean Clifford's making Penn State fans go Trey Sue. No, no, they're not. Uh, you, you said this last week, too, about Stanford. And no, that, that's not a case either. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the gumption. I love the hot takey uh, going there. But let's switch over to the ACC now, where this is where it looked like. Because we had the Wisconsin upset happen in the noon kick slot. But we, we also had some other things going on and make it seem like, well, this could be it. This could be the blood week. And the big one that was on my radar for whether or not we were really going to have chaos erupt like crazy on the bye week here for Notre Dame was when now number four Clemson, they slide down one spot. Uh, they do manage to beat Louisville very comfortably, 45 to 10. I uh, end up covering as well. I was very surprised. Uh, there wasn't going to be a backdoor, especially with the way the game started because Trevor Lawrence had himself an incredible rush start. So for any Notre Dame fan, it's like, what the hell's wrong with the Ian book? Tommy Reese, you know, he sucks as a quarterback coach. Brian Kelly, year two QBs, can't do anything with them. It's always like this. Well, sometimes these things kind of happen, even for uh, golden boy Trevor Lawrence, who threw two interceptions and also overthrew a for sure touchdown in this game. And that really let Louisville hang in there for longer than they should. And look, Louisville's down their starting quarterback, too. So they put up a heck of a fight, but they were never really able to get touchdowns on the board while Lawrence was having his struggles. And then, and see, this is what helps bolster a team. And let me let me see if you uh, think back to the SC game for where, if Notre Dame fans. Think back to SC. Book looking a little shaky, but all of a sudden, the running game just explodes. Tony Jones gets well over 100-plus yards, over 170 yards to be specific. And, yeah, Clemson did the same damn thing. Travis Etienne, he, he came out and had 14 carries for 192 yards and a touchdown. And, really, that's, that's what, what it came down to is Clemson said, okay, let's just – they stayed aggressive. They stayed within their game plan, but they were just too physically strong. Louisville finally got beat up at the end and just couldn't maintain. And all of a sudden, the separation started to present itself. Now, what does this mean overall for Clemson? As far as, well, they're looking a little bit shaky. You know, they won comfortably here, but they didn't look good. They had the UNC thing not too long ago. Look, Clemson is still going to be in the driver's seat in the ACC. And the bottom line is that they still have loads of talent, you know, on both sides of the ball. And I've said this about Notre Dame, too. That defense will travel. That defense will always keep them in games, even if the offense is starting to sputter a little bit. That's just the way it is. And that's exactly what happened here. If the defense also sputtered and maybe had some issues, yeah, maybe then start to be a little bit concerned about what Clemson can do. But the fact of the matter is, like I said, when Lawrence was having these troubles, when he was throwing interceptions, when he was inaccurate, overthrowing people like crazy, Louisville needed to cash in, and they only got three points. That's the bottom line here. So as long as Clemson's able to keep that in the tank, they're going to be just fine, especially in the ACC. But, but let's uh, talk a little bit more because I want to give an honorable mention, not, not necessarily a blood week, not necessarily any major rankings or anything, but when there's a six overtime game, I'm going to talk about it. I am absolutely going to talk about it. Virginia Tech outlasts North Carolina 
in a 43-41 to six-overtime game. Now, what does six-overtimes uh, specifically mean here? What do six-overtimes do? Why is that such a big deal? One, we never get there. But two, this is the first time we got to see a rule that I wrote about in the offseason saying, eh, you're probably not going to see this happen for maybe once in the decade. Well, maybe we just had the one time here. And that is, once you get to that fifth overtime, dueling two-point conversions. And I find it hilarious. Just just if, if you're looking at kind of a story arc, especially for Mac Brown, has a chance to knock off Clemson, can't convert a two to get there. Again, fails to get a two-point conversion. Virginia Tech does to be able to, to get the final victory here. Mac, you, you got to find somebody to, to get a little bit better two-point plays here because it was the same thing. You know, this, this time it wasn't a triple option, but it was the same concept. Quarterback kind of rolling out over to uh, towards the near sideline and just there was nothing doing. There was nobody to pass it to. There was no lane to run it in. It, it just looked like everybody was completely lost on that play, and um, that, that ends up marking down the loss for North Carolina. But a big win for Virginia Tech because – this does something very important to the Coastal, and I, I snagged this pick. Uh, one of the things I do uh, to get prepped for the show is to watch college football final, uh, usually the following morning. I'm, I'm way too tired at the end of the night, more often than not. So we have, uh, for those on the stream, they'll be able to see this, but I'll describe it for those on the podcast. The ACC Coastal is the ultimate circular everybody is taking out everybody conference because we actually have a complete perfect circle of people having transitive wins over somebody else. And and here here's what happens in here. Just just listen to this. This is crazy. Kudos to whoever made this at ESPN. This is great. Uh Virginia beats Pitt. Pitt has beaten Duke. Duke has beaten Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech just got their victory against North Carolina, who beat Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech, who, despite being a one-win team coming into this week, got their second win over Miami. Oh, things are Starting rough for the Manny Diaz era. Uh, there was actually a banner flying above there saying that we support you, Manny. Ugh, bad timing for that one. Uh, losing to probably the worst team in the ACC. But anyway, Georgia Tech beats Miami. Miami also uh, last week beats Virginia. We have a complete circle of hell that is the ACC Coastal. At this point, nobody's in the driver's seat right now. Who the hell knows what is going to happen? I've actually seen somebody work it out to where there is a potential possibility to where all of these teams could finish with an in-conference equivalent record, and then it goes to all kinds of hellacious tiebreakers. We are on track for this to happen. And I doubt it will because the the scenarios to make it happen are, are, are kind of insane, probably a little bit impossible. But the fact that it's even in the realm of possibility that somebody could chart things out, that this could actually happen, just blows my mind. So, so go ACC. Happy to kind of sort of be a part of this insanity. Um, Doing great work there. Doing awesome. All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the SEC. And there were some other games where, again, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe it's going to be a little bit of a blood week here. And and Muschamp for a little while, when he was facing his old team in Florida at home, so Florida having to go on the road, a little bit of rainy conditions, a little bit of slop, uh, but Florida manages to outlast South Carolina 38-27 to in a game calling that would have made uh, Brian Kelly proud as far as how often Florida passed the ball as opposed to running it in some poor weather. Uh, but we'll get to a game that had a absolutely shittier weather here in a second. Uh, but the bottom line, uh, this game 10-10 to at the half, South Carolina actually had a lead at a point in the second half, 
And as soon as I tweeted, Will Muschamp has become death, all of a sudden Florida just rips off a 75-yard TD run by Damian Pierce. Now, something funny about that run, and I didn't have audio on, so I wasn't listening to the play-by-play, so I was wondering if anybody had caught the fact that the wide wide receiver for Florida for about 40-plus yards had his hand on the back of a DB the entire time and that guy, the safety or, or, or cornerback, whoever it was, was just unable to get the angle because he kept getting yanked for 40-plus yards. No flag whatsoever. Found out when I was watching a college football final, that was very much noticed. It was absolutely highlighted. Uh, but that wasn't the only call that ended up uh, dooming South Carolina to having any bit of hope here. Uh, they got FSU 2014. They tried to run a pick play, and this one, it was where – at least Notre Dame was trying to make it look somewhat incidental. You could say, okay, maybe uh, got a little bit over anxious on the, uh, the the rub, if you will, or, you know, it's flat out a pick play, call it what it is. Uh, this time it was just a full out block. And <laughs> so it was extremely obvious what it was, uh, but the flag was thrown. South Carolina gets a TD wiped off the board. Uh, and all of a sudden you get all the momentum taken out of your sails. And with that wiping out TD, Florida just finally separated themselves in this one, it was, it, it really, I, I really thought South Carolina actually had a chance at this. I did not think pregame they had one, uh, but it was, it was pretty insane to watch this play out. Um, and, and hey, you know, hat tip to Florida. I've severely doubted them. Uh, but now that Trask has taken over, it, it's like this offense is actually functional right now, which is, it, it's crazy. And this happens all the time in college football and, and no other sport. Uh, except for one specific exception in the NFL that I won't mention, but one of the teams is playing on Sunday night right now, and I don't like them. Uh, you usually don't see the backup be able to take uh, their team uh, to newer heights, but lo and behold, that looks like what's happening with Florida. In a couple weeks, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party will be underway. Well, let's see what the other side of that cocktail party was doing. Georgia manages to outlast Kentucky in a, what has to be called a monsoon game. Don't know what else you would call it. This game was 0-0 zero zero at the half, where I thought I actually had an app uh, that I was checking my scores uh, with. I thought it was malfunctioning. It was like, there's no way it's 0-0 zero zero at the half. And then I saw the weather and completely understood why. But Georgia ends up um, taking over in this game, 21 to nothing. It's like they remembered, hey, we're, we're full of five stars down this line. We have DeAndre Swift in the backfield. Let's just let this guy take over. And that's what ended up happening in the second half. Uh, Swift had 21 carries for 179 yards, which happens to be a larger yardage to- total than the entirety of Kentucky's offense. That should just let you know how much of a mismatch this was. Uh, Swift got two TDs on the day. Fromm didn't have to do much. He only had to throw the ball 12 times. He completed nine of them, 35 yards total. But, hey, when you play a game in this kind of slot, this is what you're supposed to do, especially when you are chock full of so much talent like George is. You just got to keep running the ball down the throat. Eventually, the dam broke in the second half, which is exactly what you would expect to happen in this. So it looks a little dicey for a little bit. But, again, it's, it's, it's a thing. Just a flesh wound. It didn't, it didn't move past where it became flat-out blood week here. Uh, and another game where this happened, too, was a weird late-night SEC after dark kickoff, which I, I don't know why Alabama and Tennessee started so late, but it did. And Alabama ends up uh, beating Tennessee 35-13. to But the big story here is Tua Tagovailoa gets a high ankle sprain, an injury which he has had before. 
except this time it's on his other foot. And he had surgery today. Right now, the prognosis is a similar timetable for when this happened last time. And that is he's going to miss the game. This time he actually has the benefit of a bye week after the game. Arkansas is who they have up next. They have a bye week and then they face LSU. So right now, at least from what Saban and everybody at Alabama has said, of course, we're only 24 hours removed from it at this point, is that it will just be the one game that Tua will miss. Uh, but, it, man, if he's at anything less than 100%, LSU all of a sudden is, you know, ears are perking up like, okay, that's a, that's a major weapon that's not functioning at its full potential. We definitely got a shot here. But as this game showed as well, when, when Tua was out, it was a dramatic drop-off. Uh, so Jalen Hurts not being there and taking his grad transfer over to OU uh, end up looming very large in this because that probably could provide a lot of separation. If you think about last year, similar thing happened when Tua went down. You know, Hurts was able to step in and it didn't look like Alabama really lost a step. So all of a sudden, Alabama now, same injury. And don't don't forget that in the SEC championship game, there was a little bit of reverse uh, switcheroo there where Jalen Hurts had to come in and help prop up Alabama to go ahead and take over and win that game. Uh, so now that that safety net isn't there, things will be very interesting. I, I don't think they will lose to Arkansas, but we definitely got a chance for something to get a little bit spicier than normal here. Um, the other thing that should be mentioned, of, of course, too, is the major headline. There were some very weird-ass calls that happened in this game, too. Primarily one that was a lovely roughing the passer penalty. That was absolute garbage. So Alabama on the ropes. They've just lost their starter. Tennessee's about to get them off the field. They hit the quarterback, but the defensive end decides to give Jess a little extra shove as he's coming up and getting up from uh, the prone position. And that drew the 15-yard penalty, extends the Alabama drive. Alabama ends up scoring. But Tennessee had a chance to still try to come back a little bit. A QB sneak goes horrendously wrong. It was like shades of Notre Dame, South Florida, also shades of Notre Dame SC uh, when we saw Dane Chris fumble uh, right at the doorstep of the goal line, and it, it's taken all the way back for a scoop and score, and Tennessee just couldn't recover at that point. And Pruitt just letting his QB have it on the sideline after it happens. And that may just tell you every bit of frustration that is going on with the balls right now, to say the least. Uh, so next up, we actually did have a ranked team go down. It was Missouri, who I assume by now I haven't checked the new SP plus. I haven't had time yet, uh, but I have a feeling they're not going to be top 10 anymore after this defeat. Uh, as uh, Bill Conley, Mizzou alum, also the purveyor of the SP plus said, this was the most frustrating game because Mizzou is either the best home team ever or the worst road team ever. Both of these things could be true because they go on the road and they lose to an unranked Vanderbilt team. Uh, just a, a big old bit of a mess. They couldn't score. Bryant didn't look good. Uh, yikes. That's all I have to say about uh, these Tigers. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break. We got the Pac-12. We got the Big 12 to talk about and also a little bit of an update on the group of five. And we will get to that right after this. All right, and we are back, and it is time to go ahead and talk about the Pac-12, who had uh, a, a couple games that are worth mentioning, because they were both top 25 matchups. Uh, the first one we will mention is Oregon, 
defeating Washington on the road 35-31. to And yes, Washington has given up over 30 points. And what that means is now Notre Dame, on their bye week, now becomes the holder of the longest active streak of consecutive games of giving up 30 points or less. So thank you very much, Ducks. We appreciate you uh, giving us uh, the sole ownership of that uh, while we were just sitting at home eating our cheeseburgers this week. Uh, But this game, I mean, Oregon came out right out the gate, scoring on their first drive. Looked like, okay, they could really give Washington some fits. All of a sudden, Washington came right back, and it swung the opposite direction. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, uh, Washington had a 28-14 lead which they then successfully blew. Uh, Washington's defense, at least in my opinion, uh, I've always been suspect of them because they they seem to be very hot and cold. Not that they've given up a lot of points, obviously, because they were ahead of Notre Dame in that consecutive 30-point or less streak, but they they had lost way too much, both in the line and in the secondary. It it was kind of like you're just waiting for, at some point, uh, something to give, and it finally did in this one. They finally faced an offense that was functioning well. Uh, excuse me, Herbert looked decent enough. There's still times where he was very inaccurate, uh, but they were able to find enough that would um, where Washington just missed a few assignments, and Oregon was able to get loose, able to keep pressing the ball, and that ended up being all she wrote in this one. A, a nice little comeback for Oregon, holding on until the very end. Um, the other thing to note here, right out the gate, Washington gets called for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on their kickoff return for the crime of somebody going into the end zone, lying down in the prone position and camouflaging themselves in the home end zone, which apparently is a penalty now. Uh, I know Clearwall isn't in chat, but uh, our resident referee, uh, I'm sure, will send me a message uh, about what that specific rule was. I saw a lot of folks on Twitter saying, I can't find this in the rule book anywhere. I don't know if it's just one of those things where it's not necessarily a written rule, but one of those things of emphasis. It's like, hey, if you see people taking weird shortcuts, flag it. Um, I'm all for it. Look, if you're going to do the chicanery, just just go for it. Um, and, and it's not like the guy was completely camouflaged the entire time. He popped back up pretty quick. Uh, it was just a couple of seconds, uh, but I always like it. it. It makes it fun. It's crazy. It's dumb. It wasn't a touchdown. It was just a 50-yard return. Uh, but man, TCU's done it a couple times too. They don't get flagged for it either. So I'm, I'm really not sure. I think it's a dumb call. I think it's a dumb penalty personally. Uh, but then again, I like fun. I think more than the NCAA does overall. So that would explain a lot. Uh, the next rank game. Uh, thank you for this being on the PAC 12 network. Cause I was able to see zero minutes and zero seconds of this game live. And that is Utah taking out Arizona state in a big way. 31 to three. Utah now rises up to 12. They are in the driver's seat in the Pac-12. South, uh, Arizona State falls uh, down to 24. They're not completely out of the rankings yet, but they just looked atrocious here. Uh, This was just pure domination. No two ways about it. And this wasn't like Arizona State was turning the ball over insane either. They actually won the turnover battle. Utah turned the ball over four times to uh, Arizona State's two. So Sparky has a plus two margin in this one. But here's what Utah did to that offense, and this is just, oh, it's bad. Uh, Dino, if you're listening, bud, you may want to skip uh, ahead a couple minutes. Jaden Daniels went 4 for 18 for 25 yards and a QB rating of 4.6. Enzo Benjamin, excuse me, Enzo Benjamin is the only real offense they had. He had 15 carries for 104 yards. If you are doing the math, that is 136 total yards 
Arizona State only had eight first downs all game. They were two for 13 on third down. They also had 12 penalties for 122 yards. Yes, their penalty yardage damn near matched their offensive total in this game. So an absolute destruction here by the Utes uh, in this. So Pac-12, it looks like we could be seeing an Oregon-Utah matchup. That's about where we seem to be uh, heading right now. Uh, on the other end, as far as things going on in the Pac-12 South, um, I, I didn't have the score up here, but SC did have a rather big uh, dominating effort by putting in a running back that we didn't see at Notre Dame, and he ended up running wild all over Arizona. So we'll, we'll see what happens down there. We'll keep an eye on SC. That Who knows? Maybe they'll just fuck around and end up being a quality win for Notre Dame. That would be pretty freaking hilarious at the end of the day. All right, let's move on to the Big 12. and. Texas, do you have a Kansas problem? Because you damn near lost to them again, and this time at home. So number 15, Texas stays number 15 after surviving against Kansas. Uh, Les Miles nearly did it. 50-48, to 48, your final. Uh, Les, a uh, hat tip to him, scores what would be uh, a tying touchdown if they kick an extra point. However, uh, what they have done instead is they went for two, and they converted it, which made the score 48 to 47. And unfortunately, they gave Sam Ellinger and the Texas offense just a little bit too much time. They had just over a minute left. And um, Dicker the Kicker came through again, saves Texas from extreme embarrassment again. We're just so close to just think about the massive blood week that we could have had if, if a few things swing in a couple different directions here. We were so, so very close to it. Uh, next up. Uh, well, we'll talk about some other teams in the Big 12 that are starting to find some separation. Of course, Oklahoma already found that in the Red River shootout, uh, but they continue their dominance. They just wallop West Virginia 52-14. to 14. Jalen Hurts just still looking strong. Uh, Oklahoma, though, stays at five. Uh, right now, though, it's not the rematch with Texas that we need to be looking forward to. We might be needing to looking forward to a matchup with new number 14, Baylor, who is also undefeated right now, as they take out Oklahoma State very convincingly, 45-27. to And look, Matt Rule, good God, you absolutely have to tip your cap to him. I mean, he took a job that very few people wanted. He knew he was going to get his ass handed to him for a couple of years. He signed a, a seven-year contract, from what I remember, when he, he first went there. Um, and... He, he's completely turned the team around after a couple poor seasons. Now, all of a sudden, they're undefeated. That guy can absolutely coach. Uh, major hat tip. Uh, and apparently, he's brought a little defense as well, uh, at least in this game. Uh, so, we'll see what happened there. Uh, and I'm glad Lowe's in the chat because I did miss something uh, in my notes for Oklahoma. And that was the Sooner Schooner falling apart. Literally falling apart after one of their many touchdowns. Uh, this thing just... Completely tipped over. Wheels literally came off as the horses, uh, whatever is actually attached to the horses, went one direction. Schooner tipped over in the complete opposite direction. The two people on there, uh, the poor woman that was on there, I'm glad she uh, knows how to tuck and roll pretty effectively uh, because she went flying and nobody got hurt. So we can all laugh about this. And I can also laugh at every single roughneck for OEU, which are the guys that are sitting there waving their shotgun toy thing. I don't know what the hell those things are. But anyways, they're sitting there doing that. They see the schooner fall over. Every roughneck immediately rushes to the attention of the schooner. Poor ladies lying on the ground over there, and they're just kind of like, eh, go to the wagon. Every last one of them. 
There was only two that went and like chasing them. I get chasing the horses because you want to make sure you calm them down so they don't trample anybody. That I get. Everybody checking the wagon? I, I, I can't explain that one at all. That I did find absolutely hilarious. All right, uh, I was going to do a, a little bit uh, of a modified uh, Night's Watch, but I, I ran out of time uh, trying to put some stuff together. Uh, we are not going to cover UCF uh, with them losing uh, two games. They're not as interesting to me anymore in the group of five. And since Shane's not on the show, well, let's go ahead and take it over. Let's go ahead and, and focus on the group of five right now. And we're going to start with, I guess it was Blood Week in the group of five, because down goes Boise. Somehow losing to BYU, 28-25. to 25. Boise State now drops to 22. It is their first loss, and everybody had, you know, hey, return of the murder Smurfs. They got a freshman QB. This kid just looks invincible. Uh, this time, they, they finally showed some cracks in the armor, and uh, hey, it's hard. To, it, winning is hard, but it is also extremely hard to win on the road, and that is exactly what happened here to BYU. They are unable to, uh, excuse me, what happened to Boise at BYU, they are unable to pull off the road victory, and BYU manages to escape, and now all of a sudden, it is time for some new blood in the group of five, or, or at least potentially. And there are two teams that could potentially step up. One of them is Appalachian State, who just absolutely wiped the floor with Louisiana Monroe, 52-7 to your final. Really not much to talk about in this game, because it was just an absolute ass-whooping. Full stop. They started, they scored, and Monroe couldn't stop them whatsoever. So Appy State, undefeated right now, as are... The Ponies of SMU, and they will be the last game that we recap in this one. Uh, they now move up to number 16, which puts them in the driver's seat for the group of five bid. Because right now, Appalachian State, when we flip back, they are now at 21. So a full five spots ahead. And again, on that New Year's Six bid, it is the group of five team that is highest rank. Right now, that is right over my backyard. Right where a tornado just freaking flew over. I'm not even kidding. It was pretty damn close to SMU's campus. This sucker went right over Lovefield Airport, which and then over in towards that uh, the Highland Park area, which is where SMU's campus is. So that tornado went very far from them. But the uh, the other storm that happened down there was a 45 to 21 beating of Temple. And look, Temple. I thought this game was going to be a lot closer than what it was. Uh, Temple's got a very good defense. And SMU absolutely torched it. Uh, Bouchelle, who transferred from Texas, has found himself quite at home in the SMU offense. He's doing great. SMU uh, really looks to be a... Uh, they, they got themselves in the driver's seat. They got a, a Power 5 victory against TCU, so it's not like they've been playing Patsies this entire time. So they very well, they could do it. They could absolutely do it. They're a very fun team to watch. If you're not, I'm going to be stumping for them. What Shane has done for the Knights, I'm going to start doing for SMU. And the only real tie I have to them, I didn't go there. Uh, I haven't gone to grad school or, or law school like Eddie did. I just think it's cool that I have a local team that had the death penalty happen to them before I was born, and they were an absolute joke. I didn't even realize they had a football team. That's how bad it was. And all of a sudden, they are undefeated. And uh, I tell you what, the only sad part about this was the crowd shot in Dallas. Y'all, if there's any local Dallas here is listening to that, find a way to get out there. I wish I had more time because I would 100% do it. 
try to find a way out there because uh, good tickets are apparently still available and uh, they're playing some good football right now and uh, it's always fun to watch uh, good football fun to watch a good offense and man it would be something else if the ponies are able to take that group of five slot but well folks that about sums it up i mean it's hard i don't have a co-host to throw anything off of so hopefully you have been informed by everything you missed in the bye week but one thing is for sure we have all the hate building up right now for that awful, awful Michigan team. And, man, I am licking my chops. I can't wait. One thing to note, though, they have opened the lineup. And I haven't now. I'm going to go ahead and check it again right now. At one establishment I, I, I keep uh, track of things on. I haven't seen them post uh, any college football lines yet. Um, they still have not. Once they do, I'm going to be hopping all the hell over it. Because Notre Dame opened as a four-point underdog to Michigan. The line has since been bet down heavily to every Irish fan or anybody that's watched Michigan saying no shit. It's already been bet down to a two-and-a-half-point favorite for Michigan. So, for all we know, by the time we do the Picks podcast, Eddie and I sit here on Wednesday when we come back on the pod, Notre Dame could end up being favored. They absolutely could be favored. Uh, But right now, I'm hoping that money line is still available in the plus territory because... There ain't going to be a sprinkle. I'm going to be hammering that son of a bitch if it opens up. I am excited. I already feel the hate flowing through me. I can't wait to give. I, I now have two Michigan men at work, apparently. How the hell that happens down in Texas, I don't know. But they're both going to receive hell all week long. And I better not have to walk in the next time on Monday. I better be able to walk in with my head held high. I am ready to beat the hell out of those assholes. I am so ready for that game. And I tell you what. They didn't do much over at Penn State that impressed me. I'm still not sure what in the world James Franklin and the Nittany Lions were doing. But y'all, we will be back over on Wednesday, so make sure you stay with us. But until then, thank you for everybody that joined us over here on twitch.tv slash Live. Make sure you follow us, subscribe, and, and get notifications for every time we're here on the channel. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you happen to get your podcast feeds at. Now make sure you leave us a rating and review as well. Help spread the word. And of course, you can join us at Discord. It's our live chat channel, HerLoyalSons.com slash Discord at our home at HerLoyalSons.com. Until next time, y'all, go Irish fuck Michigan. Have a good one. Yeah.